when it's quiet, when there's no wind. You, you notice it, don't you, because it's, it's quite rare here. Our house uh, in, in cold earth has vinyl siding, and we can almost always, we almost always hear that siding rattling a little bit because it's almost always windy. And sometimes, though, we'll be in our living room and, and all of a sudden we'll notice it. it's quiet. We notice when it's calm because it's so rare. That's so rare in this area. And it's kind of like people, isn't it? How rare it is for people to be and, and stay calm. Even when we manage to look calm on the outside, inside, in our, in our minds and in our hearts, the wind can be, can be blowing, we can be full of anxieties, we can be full of, of fears, we can be full of worries, we can be stressed and we can be tense and sometimes it doesn't take much. With all the pressures and all the challenges there are in life for those winds that we've been managed, we've managed to, to keep maybe inside for a time to, to, come, to come out. It could be, could be anything. It could be a delayed flight. I was, when I flew home on Monday from uh, Langley, uh, we, had to, we had a half hour delay because we were de-icing in, in Abbotsford. And you could tell the people were getting tense. And some of them had to miss their flights that they had their connecting flights in Calgary. And they were frustrated. It could be a driver who cuts you off. It could be an obstinate cow or a, or a broken down tractor. Or it could be something more serious, maybe the loss of a job or, or maybe, maybe a child's disrespect or a spouse's failure to do what we wanted them to do. Or perhaps an unexpected diagnosis or the unfair treatment of others. It could be almost anything. And suddenly that calm appearance that we manage to keep can, can just disappear and, and, and we boil over. We, we can get angry. We can lose our temper. We can simmer with resentment and bitterness. We can look for ways to get revenge, to get back at others like that driver who cut us off. We can complain about the way others treat us. We can worry and fret about what's going on in our lives or, or, or about all the crises that are going on around us in the world. We all experience these sorts of things, don't we? It's hard, it's, it's rare for people to be and stay calm, even, even when we are Christians. How hard it can be to stay and to keep calm. And yet we should be and can be. That's what our text, Philippians 4, verses 5 through 7, is, is all about. It's about how we should and can keep calm. And I want to read that text again just for a moment. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You notice those commands in, in verses 5 and 6. Let your moderation let your gentleness, your, your kindness, your patience, your long-suffering be known to all men. And be careful, be anxious. It may be a better translation there. Be anxious for nothing. Now these are two different commands, but both of them together, when you take them together, they're essentially about keeping calm. Keeping calm in the way we relate to other people. 
and keeping calm in our hearts and minds. So our text is about keeping calm, not as, a, as, as, as something that's good for us, that's not the, the focus, although it is, of course, but it isn't about us, first of all, it's about God. We keep calm because it's what God desires. It's to the glory of God. First, I want to note a couple of things as we hear this text before we, we get into the points. First of all, that keeping calm does not mean being laid back or indifferent or passive or unconcerned. Those things are not the same as, as keeping calm. That's the first thing. And, and the second thing is that it's important to acknowledge the difficulty of becoming and keeping calm, especially if you struggle, if you struggle with more severe levels of anxiety, including things like panic attacks for, for physiological re- reasons, perhaps, or for, because of trauma in the past. Keeping calm is a struggle for all of us, but even more so if, if that's your situation. And it may sometimes be good and necessary in those cases to address some of the aspects of more severe anxiety with, with professional help from a counselor or a doctor. But even if that's you, that doesn't mean this text doesn't apply or that it cannot help. And so with God's help, we want to look at this text under the theme, keeping calm. And we'll notice three things. First of all, the extent. The extent. And secondly, the motivation. And thirdly, the prescription. So first, let's notice the extent. You see that in, the, in those two commands that we read earlier. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Not to some people. Right? But to all people. And the second command, be, be careful, be anxious for nothing. Not some things, but be anxious for nothing, in nothing at all. There are no exceptions. In, in other words, the call to keep calm in our text is universal. It's all-inclusive it's in its extent. We're called to keep calm outwardly. No exceptions. Let your moderation be known unto all men. What does that mean? The the word moderation here is hard to translate in in English from the Greek, but the basic idea is gentleness or kindness and patience, long-suffering, as opposed to violence and and harshness. You see that, for example, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, when it uses this word in the list of qualifications for elders. And by the way, that's a list we should all be thinking about because in a couple of months we'll have nominations uh, and voting for new office bearers. But it says there in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, that an elder should not be given to wine, not a, no, no striker or not, not violent, not greedy of filthy lucre, not, not greedy for money, but patient, not a brawler, not quarrelsome, not covetous. That that word patient, it's the same word translated as moderation in our text. And it's contrasted to violence, to greediness, to fighting, and to covetousness. And so it's a picture of of calmness. Our text is calling us to be calm, to be patient, to be charitable, to endure suffering and hardship calmly and cheerfully, rather than insisting on our own way and on our own perceived rights or seeking personal Revenge. The Lord Jesus, he, he gives us really several pictures of, of what our text is calling us for in, in that passage that we read earlier 
probably a challenging passage for, for most of us, if not all of us. Matthew 5, 38 to 48. He's, he's speaking in these verses about the Pharisees, particularly the first section of that passage, the Pharisees' misuse and abuse of the Old Testament law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That law was originally, it was for, uh, it was speaking about proper justice being done after a proper trial before a judge. And so we, we should not look at this and think, at that passage and think that the Lord's speaking about justice. He's saying he's speaking against justice or saying that we should promote and encourage abuse. He's not saying that, but he's speaking, he's addressing the Pharisees' misuse and abuse of this law to justify personal revenge. And the Lord Jesus tells us very clearly that's wrong. We're not to seek personal revenge. We're to be the kind of people who when, when we're struck on the, right, on the right cheek, instead of striking back, we turn the other cheek for it to be struck to. We're to be the kind of people who when we're sued, instead of resenting and fighting it, willingly give more than what we're sued for. We're to be the kind of people who when someone forces us to carry something for a mile for them, we carry it two miles. We're to be the kind of people who give willingly and generously to those who ask. In other words, He's saying we're to be people who don't respond in anger when we don't get our way. Or, or, or we're not to be people who seek revenge when we are hurt or, or, or harbor bitterness and resentment or grumble and complain and lose our temper when things are, are tough. No, instead we're to be people who calmly and cheerfully endure suffering and hardship and even respond with courageous kindness and love to others, even to those who hurt us. Like Jesus. People were to be people who let our moderation be known. And, and, and not just in some situations, not just with some people, but in all situations with all people. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Huguenot minister, John Dale, says in connection with this text that, that it means we're to be people who retain a uniform, a uniform calmness in every condition. In other words, keeping calm outwardly is how we are to live and it's how we are to live in relation to all people, regardless of how they treat us. That includes your spouse if you're married. And your children. If you're a parent. It doesn't mean you don't discipline. But it means when you discipline. You discipline calmly and patiently. Not by yelling or losing your temper. When you talk, when you talk about something with them. That you believe needs to be addressed. You do it calmly. Patiently. It includes your employees. If you're an employer. It includes your customers. It includes the people you work with. It includes your brothers and sisters. It includes your parents and your parents-in-law. It includes your fellow church members. And yes, it includes even those who slander you and persecute you and falsely accuse you. Let your moderation be known to all men. 
is it? Can our families, can our friends, can, can the people here in church, can the people out there in the world, can, can everyone who knows you testify, can everyone who knows me, can they testify of us that we are the people who keep calm outwardly? That we handle the challenges and difficulties and stresses of life with calmness? That we calmly and gently and patiently bear with the shortcomings and wrongs of others? Or, or, or would they describe us differently? Would they describe us as, as, would they describe you? Would they describe me as people who are out for ourselves, who are out for our own honor, who, 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 who are seeking great things for ourselves? What do you, what do I let be known to others? Our calmness, our gentleness, our patience, our endurance, or our temper, our harshness, our criticism, our impatience, our anxious murmuring. Those are challenging and convicting questions, or not? They're challenging and convicting. For me, it's not easy to, calm, to keep calm outwardly, to let our moderation be known to, to all men. But, but as if that's not hard enough, the, the command in verse 6 is even harder. Be careful, be anxious for nothing. Now what's, what's that about? It's about keeping calm inwardly in our hearts, in our, in our minds, in our thoughts. It's not saying don't be concerned about anything. No, because in Philippians 2 verse 20, Paul uses the same word positively when he commends Timothy for his genuine care. It's the same word. His anxiety, you could say, for the Philippians. So, so care, concern is not the problem, but the problem he's speaking about here is over-concern. Being filled with anxiety and worry. Maybe the best word that we can describe it is, is really the word fretting. Fretting. Our text is saying, don't do that. Be still. Keep calm. Even with the very real challenges and concerns we're experiencing. And again, there are no exceptions, are there? We're to be anxious. We're to be anxious, it says, for nothing. For nothing. Not even the basic things we need to live. Like food and water and clothing. That's what Jesus himself said. We read it earlier in Matthew 6. Take no thought. It's the same, same word. Be anxious. Don't be anxious for your life. Do not worry. Do not fret about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what, or nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Be anxious for nothing. That's the extent to which we are to keep calm. And so what does that include? That includes our health. That includes the rising cost of groceries. That includes the war in the Middle East and between Russia and Ukraine. That includes the actions of our own government. That includes the threat and, and for some Christians also the reality, the very reality of persecution and even of death. That includes family troubles and church troubles. That includes financial difficulties. That includes work pressures and deadlines. That includes tests and exams. 
that includes what other people think about us. That includes tomorrow and next week and February and March and April and every month and year after that. It includes all the things that we could, you and I could, and do worry and fret about. Now again, that's not saying we just go bury our heads in the sand and we don't care, we don't be concerned about any of these things, but it's saying that, and it's not saying that we shouldn't work hard to address the concerns we have, no, but it's saying don't fret about these things. Don't fret about any of them. Be still. Be still. Keep calm. Not just outwardly, but inwardly in all circumstances. But maybe you hear this and you think, well, that's crazy. That's crazy. The world, or maybe at least my world, you're thinking is, is, is it falling apart or is about to fall apart. Why should I keep calm? Well, our text, our text tells us why. And that brings us to our second point, the motivation for keeping calm. We, we see that in the second half of verse 5. It's sandwiched, you see. It's sandwiched between these two commands that we just looked at. Let your moderation be known to all men and be careful, be anxious for nothing. What does it say between those two commands? It says this, the Lord is at hand. In other words, you could translate it, the Lord is far away? No. The Lord is near. That's the motivation. That's the encouragement. That's the reason why we should keep calm. Because the Lord is near. And that's, that's a motivation, a powerful motivation for God's people. How so? Well, for one thing, the Lord being near assures us of His care, of His care in our lives, in the lives of His people. It assures us of His love, of His help, of His comfort. The, Psalm, the Psalms remind us of this over and over again. Psalm 34, verse 18. It says there, The Lord is nigh, the Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, <laughs> and save such as be of a contrite spirit. You see, he's near to help. He's near to save the humble. Psalm 145, verses 18 through 20 say this, The Lord is near unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love, love him. And here again you see the Lord being near. It's connected to His love, to His care, to His help. And we could go on. We could think of Psalm 23 verse 4 where David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you, thou art with me. When the Lord is our shepherd, you see, He is near us. He is with us even in difficult times, even in the valley of the shadow of death. He is near, and He is near us to help us, to protect us, and to comfort us. Or again, we can think of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a what? A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, God 
is in the midst of his people. He is in the midst of his church. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, the God of Jacob is our refuge. That's why we can be still. That's why we should keep calm, because the Lord, he is God. He's in control, he's in charge of everything, and he is near. He is with his people. Yes, our Savior himself is near. When we belong to Christ by faith, he is near us. He is with us as he promised. He is with us always, always. He is even in us by his Holy Spirit to help us and to care for us and to comfort us at all times. And we are, we are in his hands, Jesus said, of his sheep. And he will not let anyone or anything pluck us out of there. Reminds us of the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, doesn't it? What is your only comfort in life and death? What is a part of that answer say? It's, it's that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who so preserves us that without the will of our Heavenly Father, not even a hair can fall from our heads. Isn't that a reason? Isn't that a motivation to keep calm? When life is hard, when we go through trials, when people mistreat us, we can be very tempted to become anxious. We can be very tempted to retaliate, to get to seek revenge. We can be tempted to think that we need to stick up for ourselves. And, and that can be a real struggle. Especially when you're persecuted. I remember when I was in seminary, there was a Nigerian brother there at the same time uh, as me. And he, he spoke of, he told us of how in Nigeria, the, the Christians are, are, are just, they're just being slaughtered. You, you have these, these, these people that just come into a village and they'll just slaughter a whole bunch of Christians. And he said, the temptation for the Nigerian Christians is to get revenge. The temptation is to retaliate. It's very hard to keep calm, to let our moderation be known to all men in situations like that. And it can be hard for us, even though our situations are not like exactly like that. They're different. But you see, when we fail to keep calm, and instead we go out and we seek revenge or, and, 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 and to retaliate, when we let worry and anxiety consume us, we're really acting as if the Lord isn't with us, as if He isn't in control even of these things. We're acting as if he can't help us, as if he isn't near, as if he isn't at hand. But what does our text say? He is. He is. Whether we feel it or not, he is. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. That's why we can and should keep calm. His being near assures us of his care for us and his control over everything in our lives. But not only that, it also assures us, it assures his people of the end of all sin and suffering. You see, he's not just near us as God. He's not just near us 
by his Holy Spirit. He's near in the sense that he's, he's coming soon. We, we will soon be where he is, either, either by death or by his return, his physical, actual return. But either way, he is near us. And we will soon, when we belong to Christ by faith, we will soon be in the best place of all. We'll be in his presence. The presence of the Lord will be with him and we'll be in the place where there's no more sin, where there's no more suffering. And that should motivate us here and now, you see, to keep calm. Yes, our lives here may be full of sorrow and suffering and sin may battle hard against us. But if we're looking in faith to Jesus Christ for salvation, we don't need to panic. We don't need to despair. Because the Lord is near. All of our struggles with sin, all of our suffering will soon be over. We'll be glorified with Christ. And he will set right all that, that, that is wrong. And as God's word says in Romans 8 verse 18, the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory, that eternal, everlasting glory which shall be revealed in us. The Lord, the Lord is near. He is at, at hand. You see with me what a powerful motivation, what a powerful encouragement that is for the people of God to keep calm. But what if you're not a Christian? What if you're not looking to Jesus Christ? What if you're living, what if you're living in sin and in unbelief? Well, then this reality, the Lord is at hand, is no reason for you to keep calm at all. No, it should make you anxious. It should make you fearful. It should terrify you. Because the Lord sees everything you do. He hears everything you say. He knows everything you think. And one day, you will meet Him as your judge. And that day may come sooner than you think. And if you have not repented and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, if you've not been reconciled to God through faith in Christ, then in His righteous and, 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 and holy judgment, He will send you to hell, a place of everlasting punishment where there is never any peace, never any rest. Oh, then do not stay away from the Lord. Do not stay in sin. Do not stay in unbelief, but draw near to God. That's the call of the word of God. That's the call of the gospel. Draw near to God in humble repentance and in faith in Jesus Christ. And the promise is he will draw near to you. He will draw near to you in love and in grace and in mercy. That's his promise. And when that's true, when, when he is near, when he is near to you in, in his love and his mercy and his grace, and we have every reason, every encouragement to keep calm because we're safe. We're safe with him. But maybe you're thinking, well, this is, this is easier said than done. How, how do we, how, how can we actually keep calm? Well, our text tells, tells us that too. It tells us not only that we should keep calm and why we should keep calm, but also how we can keep calm. And that's our third point, the prescription the prescription for keeping calm. We see this in verses 6 and 7. Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's how we can keep calm in life. Through going to God in and with everything, everything, by humble, wholehearted, thankful prayer. That's the prescription for keeping calm. Just note, note for a few moments the details of this prescription. The basic prescription for worry and anxiety is to go to God with it, to let our requests be made known unto God. Bring Him our, our specific concerns. But, but, but maybe you wonder what kind of requests can we bring to God? Well, the text tells us, doesn't it? All requests. All requests. In everything. Let your requests be made known, not just in the big things, not just in the big decisions in life, but in everything. Also in the things that seem small, the things that we, we, we worry about, but we think, well, God doesn't really care about. He's, he's, he's got too many other things to, to worry about. No, everything. Especially the things that we are tempted to be anxious about. First Peter 5 verse 7 calls, calls us to cast all our cares. All our cares. All our anxieties on God. What a blessing that is. To know that, that God invites us to pray to Him to, in every situation. To know that there is no care, that there is no worry, that there is no anxiety that we cannot bring to Him. That we cannot cast, that we cannot throw on Him. In everything, let your requests be made known unto God. That's how we can keep calm. And doing it humbly and wholeheartedly. Notice that it says by prayer and supplication. What is that say, saying? It's, it's, it's really implying humble. That word prayer implies a, a humble and reverence in prayer. A worshipful prayer. And then supplication, it speaks to the wholeheartedness, to the, to the pleading in prayer. And so not merely moving our lips in, in routine prayers, but pouring out our hearts to God, not accusing Him or demanding that He save or help us in a certain way or by a certain time, but making our requests known, pleading upon His promises and committing ourselves and our entire lives all into to His hands and trusting ourselves into His fatherly care. After all, when, when you're in Christ, when you're in Christ, God is your Father. And He's the perfect Father. He's the perfect Father who loves and cares for His children and who never neglects or abandons them. Ever. So the way we keep calm is by letting our requests be made known to God in everything, humbly and wholeheartedly, by prayer and supplication. And, and one more thing, with thanksgiving. Thanking Him. What can we thank Him for? Thanking Him for His unspeakable gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. Thanking Him for His care for us in the past. Thanking Him for His care for us in the present, even when things are hard. Thanking Him for the glory that awaits us. And, and thanking Him that He will, according to His promise, hear our requests and answer us according to His will in the way that's best 
for us. That's how we can keep calm. When we do this, when we follow this prescription, then we can and we will keep calm either. It's a guarantee, you see. A guaranteed prescription. That's what verse 7 says. When we let our requests be made known to God in this way, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God may not take the trials. God may not take the temptations away. But he will give us his peace. A peace that's beyond all understanding. A peace that's beyond our ability to explain. That's beyond our ability to measure. And his peace. His peace that's in, that comes to us in and through Jesus Christ will make and keep us calm. It will keep us in Christ. It will guard. It will be like a guard protecting our hearts and our minds. That's the promise. What a precious peace. Also when you think of the cost at which it was bought. The cost of the death of Christ. What are we to do with this prescription? We're to do the same thing that we're to do with the prescriptions that we get from the doctor. We're to take it. We're to pray in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known to God. That's how we keep calm. To the glory of God. Maybe it's just me. But I think the problem is that we so easily fail to do this. We can be so easily be like the child who was once walking on the beach with his father. Maybe you've heard this story. The child and his father were walking on the beach and they were, the child was collecting shells as he, as he walked along. And eventually his, his pockets got got so full that he had to he had to carry them in his hands and, and so soon it became too hard for him to walk because of the weight, because of the number of the shells that he collected. And, and so the father stopped walking and he, and he said to his child, show me your, your shells, my child. I will carry them for you. And so the child, he, he took out, he emptied his pockets and he emptied his hands. He, he laid out the shells on the sand and one by one at the feet of his father and he showed them he showed him his, his shells and then the father said to him well place them in my hands I, I will carry them for you but you know what happened the child stuffed the shells back into his pockets back into his arms and he got up and he continued to stumble along the beach Seems silly to us, doesn't it? Seems foolish to us. How often do we do the same thing with our Father in heaven? He invites us to cast our cares, to cast our anxieties, our worries, our fears on Him, to let our requests be made known to Him. And He promises peace when we do. Isn't it so silly and foolish then? When we don't, when we choose instead to stumble along in life with our burdens, with our anxieties, with our worries. And doesn't that ultimately really dishonor 
our Father. Let's not be like the child in that story. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. And when we find ourselves, as sometimes we do, we find ourselves after having gone to our Father in prayer and laid our requests before Him and, 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 and cast our cares upon Him, when we find that we've taken them back and we're, 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 we're worrying again about the same things, the very same things that we prayed about, then let's go to Him again and again. Let's keep taking this prescription day by day and with each passing moment. That's how we become and keep calm in all of life to the glory of God. Let's not just, let's not just show our, our, our worries and our anxieties to Him, but let's place them into His hands. That's what we're called to do. So let's live then in humble, prayerful, trusting dependence on God in Christ. In everything. Because he is near. That's what will make us calm. Trusting in our Father's wise bestowment. We've no cause for worry. Or for fear. Even if it's windy. Even if we have to endure difficult stormy times. We can keep calm. Inwardly. And outwardly. Amen. Let's pray.